If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. All right, I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of BSN Rockies. And on this episode, we'll go through the 8-3 win over the San Diego Padres a little bit. Colorado Rockies finally getting a bit of life out of their offense and a phenomenal performance from starting pitcher Herman Marquez. Of course, as we've talked about, these kinds of individual games can be frustrating this time of year because they can show you a little bit of what the team might have looked like had they been able to click together earlier in the season or had they been able to stay together long enough to make some additions rather than pretty much completely falling apart the way that they have uh, now still 12 games under 500 at 53 and 65. Uh, But they did pick up the win. uh, And Herman Marquez pitched eight innings, which, as we've talked about before, these are the kinds of things that are going to matter more and more down the stretch. Does Marquez look like he's really coming into his own? Can Freeland get things fixed? Where's John Gray's consistency at? Does Peter Lambert look like a major leaguer? Uh, those are the the most interesting questions. And, and of course, I, I've continued to highlight the importance of Ryan McMahon, who had a base hit but did strike out three times, scored a couple of runs, drew a walk, uh, is, I, I think, pretty firmly now a part of that core I get why people 
maybe checking out on these games, and that's why I'm not going to talk a whole lot more about it. I mean, you got some nice stuff there from Charlie. Uh, really another big day from Yonder Alonso. I, I, I think that's the one question that is really rising out of this, as, as nice as it is to go, hey, a couple of hits for Ryan Maltape. He also drew a walk. He scored a run. He got the hit with two outs. Uh, that really opened up the floodgates for the Rockies' big four-run sixth, uh, runner at second, and two away with the game at 4-2, to two, still very much a close game. Tapia gets the single, and, and really the team goes on a run from there. But beyond that, <laughs> as I've said before, we, we don't want to get too crazy about uh, overanalyzing some of these games down the stretch beyond what the younger players are doing. And the Rockies are in this weird sort of space and time right now where it's not quite to September, like for the integrity of the game, for the integrity of the teams you're playing, uh, even just the professionalism of contracts that have been signed and and the way the game is played, you, you have to keep putting your veterans out there. You have to keep making an earnest effort to win the games as you normally would. Now we did we do see some things like more you're going to see more rest for guys like Arenado and Blackman. Honestly, if it was up to me, and it's very much not, I'd shut down Herman Marquez for the rest of the year. I was a little surprised that Adam keep going back out there and I get the the argument that he's pitching well and you can't trust the bullpen, but they didn't need to win this game. I mean, it's good they did. They snapped a five-game win or losing streak, and you know they're. You don't want to just have the end of your season be an absolute joke, and you don't win any games. But at the same time, it, it certainly wouldn't be worth overextending a guy like Marquez, who you're going to need for your future as well. And he's already pitched. At one point, he was leading the National League in innings pitched this year. Uh, I know he's still in the top five. I don't know if he's still number one. But with all the things that altitude can do and the traveling back and forth to your body, I would very much consider only having him make another start or two. And I, and I wouldn't be having him go eight, no matter how well he's going. Or, or you know, as long as I guess the pitch count isn't too out of control. And he only threw 93 pitches, so he was super efficient. Uh, the only times the Padres got to him there with a couple of solo home runs. And then really dumb run that they gave up in the, the seventh on a walk, a single, and then uh, a force out, but Renfro racing around the bases like that. That ultimately, it's inspiring to see. It's nice to know Marquez can go eight, strike out nine, only walk a pair. You know, be that efficient, be that dominant. It's weird to say he was dominant when he gave up three runs, but he really was. And and so, well, that's – I asked on Twitter after the game from the BSN Rockies account and just said, hey, how's everyone feeling? And there were a lot of mixed responses, as you'd expect. And, again, like if the Rockies were in the thick of the hunt – and Marquez went out and had this kind of performance, it'd be, I mean, we'd be breaking it down pitch by pitch. We'd be talking about how incredible it was and how incredible he is and, and all of this other stuff. But as it stands now, neat to see, but you want to be more careful with 
guys like Marquez in particular moving forward. Uh, I, I don't see the value of maxing out his arm over the course of this season when we have seen in the past, particularly with Ubaldo Jimenez, how running pitchers into the ground can be extra problematic at altitude. So we'll see what happens, but they're going to need Marquez, and it wouldn't surprise me if at some point they do that. But as I was saying a moment ago, they're in this weird area. The month of August, you you kind of can't do that stuff just quite yet. They've changed the September call-ups thing, so you can't just bring up a billion dudes and sit them on your bench. Um, so teams can't get totally crazy with it. But the Rockies need to make some very serious distinctions here soon about their roster. And those decisions, obviously, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to begin in terms of actually replacing people and, and doing all of that in the off season. But you've got to find out as much as you can about some of these younger pieces with the time you've got left, but you also can't mail in an entire month and a half of the of the season. So I think we'll start to see in September a little bit of, of letting off of the gas pedal. Not in terms of, I mean, you still have to go out there and try to win every single baseball game, but making sure that your veterans are getting more and more rest and just as important, making sure that some of these young guys can get in there, get the time that they need, maybe a couple of call-ups. We've talked about some of those possible names, Sam Hilliard, Roberto Ramos, um, Brian Mundell, maybe Dom Nunez behind the plate. And see, that's, I think, an intriguing one that, that speaks to exactly what I'm talking about. The Rockies have a club option for Chris Iannetta next season at $4 million, which is highly unlikely that they pick up. I think it's actually 4.2, whatever, $4.2 million. And as such, they need to know what they've got in their system because if they're not super happy about where Dom Nunez is at right now after his first real full year of AAA and, and his second year of that level of competition if he can get it done behind the plate, that's a place where then you don't have to go out and go shopping because you're getting an extraordinary value. You're getting a guy who can really catch. You'll find out what he can do offensively at some point. But at the very least, in, in one month sample size, in a handful of games, you can get a pretty good sense of where he's at, at least handling pitches, calling pitches, handling pitchers, I should say, calling a game, blocking stuff, framing stuff up, all the things you got to do as a catcher and so he's one i'd like to see we've talked about bullpen guys yancy almonte jesus tinoco and those are the kinds of games that can get ugly tinoco in particular you you can't necessarily count on him to help you win a baseball game right now but that's part of the point is you need to be able to see if he's going to improve enough that you'll be able to count on him in the future same thing with yancy almonte so that's that's the kind of stuff that i'll be Looking forward to, uh, it was interesting to see Carlos Estevez be the guy who came out to get the final inning once it was um, a, a pretty comfortable margin there. Uh, pitched his one inning, did give up a hit and walk a guy, 
but didn't give up any runs. No matter the score, shutting down the ninth inning, especially in someone else's place, uh, is not easy. And I think it goes to show, again, the type of challenges they're trying to put in front of some of these guys they're hoping will take on bigger roles for them in the future. Uh, though, again, it wasn't exactly a closing job. I think Estevez and Diaz have pretty well emerged as the primary setup guys this uh, at this point. Of course, we've seen Diaz struggle here and there. More often than not, Diaz's struggles seem to come when he has to pitch multiple innings. He's handled it a couple of times, but some of that is on the rest of the bullpen as well. Uh, so You know, you can only do so much as uh, uh, one of eight out there in the bullpen, and Diaz has been asked to do quite a bit at times and for the most part I, I feel like he's come through but he did get uh, knocked around it gave up the two-run home run the other night uh, Jake McGee again continues to have decent numbers but it seems like every time out there it, he at least gives up a run if not he's given up traffic I say this all the time, and, and it's the right thing. Everyone, when they say it back, I say, you know, Jake McGee's got a 313 ERA, and he does. There it is at a 313 right now as I'm speaking to you. Uh, but everybody I say that to says, yeah, but are, do you feel confident when he takes the mound? Do you feel like, yeah, the, he's going to come out here and give him a one, two, three inning? And no, of course not. No, you don't. You don't feel like that at all. Uh, and so it's just been a really, really weird season for him. And. And that's part of why, because I had a lot of people asking me these questions yesterday on Twitter, uh, particularly about the bullpen. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about some free agents. Kalome is going to be out there. Andrew Miller is going to be out there. I saw it looks like Pat Neshek is going to be out there. That's kind of interesting. Uh, but so the, the next logical question to make, and then, of course, coming after my whole thing about Madison Bumgarner is... Well, how much money are the Rockies going to have to spend? What what is their payroll at? And it's a little early for this. We still got a bunch of games to play. You know, we're 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 still in the season here, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. At the same time, uh, th- there's a couple other conversations I've been putting off because I want to get a little more info, and I'd like to have some experts in those fields discuss it with me, uh, particularly uh, some stuff that's going on with the baseballs and then I do have a a big follow-up coming up very soon on some stuff with the strike zone the electronic strike zone and and the modernization of all of that then there are some things I wanted to add to our defense conversation in the future but because I was looking at this yesterday it's kind of where my mind is at and so I figured uh, I would take a look here at the Colorado Rockies budget moving forward just to give you a general sense of of what uh, where i think they can set their priorities uh, i'm gonna do that here in just a minute first i gotta remind everyone that bsn denver now has an official brewery and it is of course all of the wonderful people because it is a brewery made up of wonderful people over at breckenridge brew the official beer of bsn denver you all are very familiar with the Vanilla Porter, the Oatmeal Stout, the Avalanche Amber, and now 
their strawberry sky. I've seen a lot of you tweeting at us. It's got a lot of new converts. I'm, I'm loving that. I've had one or two people tell me, Drew, thanks for the recommendation. I tried it out. Not my thing. Going to go back to the other Breckenridge brews. And, and of course, that's, you know what? We, we all got to try new stuff sometimes in life. It's it's uh, you know that time of year where in the part of the baseball season where you get a little experimental, you, you, you try a beer. But uh, it, it's been a lot of fun uh, being around with those guys, getting to try some of their new stuff and, and seeing all of the BSN fans out there drinking their Breckenridge brews. And I think we've got another pub crawl coming up before too long. I need to check the exact dates on that. But be sure you head over to bsndenver.com. Check the events calendar. RSVP for the next one. Come on out and have a good time because we'll be out there drinking Breck brews with Breck brews, Breck brews with you at all of them. Um, all right. I am going to take now a short break. When we come back, we're going to look into the money that the Rockies have allocated for the next couple of years and see where they might be able to get creative in messing with their roster a bit. Green Mountain Dental has a long-standing tradition of being one of Lakewood's best family dental care offices. Um, I have been a patient since I was New patients can receive free teeth whitening trays when they schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Also, all colored sport mouth guards start at just $25. The doctors will come out and visit with you, um, ask you how your family is doing, you know, just very friendly and family-oriented. It's just very comfortable to, to be there. That's GreenMountainDentalGroup.com. All right, welcome back in to the BSN Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Going to take a look at some numbers here. Hopefully this won't get too monotonous, but we're going to go over a little bit of the Colorado Rockies budget as it looks right now for 2020. And there's a bit of guesswork that has to be involved with this because the Rockies have a lot of players going into next season who are going to be entering arbitration. And so to some degree, uh, or, or are going to be in their second year of arbitration, but it's very difficult to guess exactly what they're going to make. For example, here's probably two of the best, weirdest examples of this whole situation. Tyler Anderson and Chad Bettis are both... Um, So now Tyler Anderson is in his second year of arbitration. Chad Bettis will be in his third year of arbitration. Each one of those players is making a little over $2 million uh, this season, right? But both of them had pretty good 2018s, or at least 2018s that were good enough to qualify for that amount, the problem is they've obviously had very bad 2019s, particularly Tyler Anderson, who can can point to an injury for sure. But uh, Chad Bettis, who, who is no longer a starter and has really struggled out of the bullpen, that the uh, now you almost always go up a little bit unless you've been totally cut. You're not going to go backwards in arbitration. You, you're going to. 
get a slight raise almost no matter what. But in the case of those two players, I think you're you're going to see a slight raise. And I also think there's obviously a, the possibility that the Rockies could decide to cut ties with either. And you can save some money that way. Um, uh, the, I think they have to have buyouts. And then, again, it gets, it, it gets a little more complicated because you're doing some – you know, adding and dividing and say, oh, but but then you, you, half of it you'll pay to do this, that, or the other. So it can be difficult to project exactly what the Rockies' payroll is going to be. But to give us sort of a baseline of what we're working with here, this season, as of now, the Rockies' total payroll is about $148.6 million. 148. For the 2019 season, and it goes. You also have to remember that the budgets tend to go up throughout the years. For example, there's a Yonder Alonso's 555,000 that was not on the books earlier, right? Uh, so there are going to be those things throughout any given season. Bringing back Chris Russon at 1.6 million and stashing him in AAA. These these kind of extra expenses that you're going to incur throughout the season. So when the season began, it was probably a, a little bit lower than that 148 number that we're looking at. But that's more or less what you've got to work with. Now that 148 is about 5 million more than they spent the year before, which was about 5 million more than they spent the year before that. What's really interesting is the jump between 2016 and 2017, which was a time where it was clear the Rockies had some great young talent, but they weren't considered contenders nationally or or by too many people locally even. There weren't a lot of people saying they were going to do big things. We just saw the rookie year of Trevor Story but beyond that the pitching was in shambles and uh, they went out and increased the budget between 2016 and 2017 by about 30 million dollars and that mostly went to Wade Davis, Jake McGee and Brian Shaw and well here we are right that is that that that's sort of the story of of that time and now the Rockies find themselves in a kind of similar situation where they've got a promising core, they've got a promising group of players that not a lot of people nationally or even locally are thinking anymore in terms of, oh, yeah, they can compete or they can contend with that group. The pitching is in shambles, right? A a lot of things that are similar. So the question is, will they be doing their normal increase of about $5 million, which would take us up to roughly $153 million. Or would they do a bigger jump based on need and based on their, their desire to win, I suppose? That, that, that would be, you know, the, the, they've talked a lot about responsible growth that they've done over the years and these past couple like I've said it's been a little bit smaller but it wasn't that long ago that in order to you know fix some stuff up they took this big jump forward I could see them doing that again I I think it's unlikely it's quite that extreme but I also would not be at all surprised to see them surpass the five million number 
that they've done each of the last couple of years. So, as it stands now, just guaranteed money that's on the payroll already for next year comes out $224 million. But don't get too excited and think, oh, well, the Rockies then have all that extra money to spend because that doesn't include, as I was talking about, all these players here in arbitration, which is going to run you about another probably. And now, now, to be safe, I'm probably overestimating on some players, but I'm guessing about another 20, maybe even 25 million out of arbitration. Trevor Story, who's getting 5 million this year, he's going to go up to the 8, 9, 10 area. Scott Oberg, who's making 1 million this year, is going to go up to the 3, 4, maybe 5 area. But again, that would be huge. That'd be a big jump. But again, I'm trying to. Uh, you, you you prefer to go that way and not assume the Rockies have more money to spend than they do, right? John Gray, arbitration two, he's going to get a raise from the 2.3 or 2.5 million that he's making. There's interesting cases with Kyle Freeland, the silver lining to Kyle Freeland's bad year. And actually, this is true, too, of, of David Dahl. The silver linings to the injuries are that it's going to save you money in their first years of arbitration here. But both of those players are going to go from making league minimum to making over a million dollars. Um, Dahl more being an all star. It's still going to be tough to keep that number down. And then guys like Estevez and Diaz are entering their first years of arbitration. You're going to have to pay them something. Altogether, uh, I, I think that that actually brings you pretty close to the mark of $150 million. You could go a little bit more one way or the other, which would be about $2 million more than the Rockies have on the books. So as it stands, if they don't get rid of, of any of the contracts they have on their books and they're only planning on increasing the budget by as much as they have the last two years as opposed to the year before that, then they really have almost nothing to spend this offseason. They, they could go out and get a 3 or $4 million player, but that is it. Now, I actually am not sure here... Um, if they're including Chris Iannetta's $4.2 million in this because the Rockies can opt out of it. So you may get another $4 million there. So you may be in the range, if you want to be optimistic about the Rockies' budget without being able to get rid of anybody, you, you may have 7 to $8 million to spend in free agency just on hand as you walk into the offseason, right? Of course, there are some other things that, could be done and this is why we've talked a lot about Brian Shaw, Jake McGee, Ian Desmond and Wade Davis. Now some of these are a bit more complicated than others but and Daniel Murphy you can throw into this category as well and he's one of the more complicated ones because Daniel Murphy is making eight million dollars for 2020. That's what he's set to make in 2020 but there's this interesting mutual option on his contract for 2021 where he gets paid 12 million if the option is picked up but if it's not picked up and, he, and therefore he's more or less cut from if he's on the Rockies or if he were to get traded whatever team he's on then he still gets six million dollars so 
really, while it's eight million next year, you've got to add another six to that. So it's twelve million over the next two years. However, you want to divide that up, whether he's going to be on your team for those two years or it's just twelve million for next year. And twelve million is what Daniel Murphy made this season. And for a guy who hitting over two ninety, that's not the worst thing in the world with some pop and all the other things. And so there are some questions about whether or not some teams would take that. Would an American League team, he's at age 35 next season, he'll be at age 36 in that final year when they're deciding whether or not to pay him $12 million to keep him or pay him $6 million to go somewhere else. They've got an interesting potential there, but they could save another $12 million over the next two years if someone in the offseason decided to trade for Daniel Murphy and I could absolutely see that being the case like I said especially with an American League team where they wouldn't have to worry too much about his defense they could just get it out of the bat and if he has a really good season next year then you really don't even care that much about the mutual option because he's already made what he's worth to you then you have the relievers here Brian Shaw and Jake McGee are very much in the same category here where they're at nine million. Jake McGee is at nine point five. McGee is thirty three. Brian Shaw's thirty two. Uh, that that is for next season. So neither one of these guys are ancient. They've both got resumes. They both should be able to be around for a little while longer, and they'll be on the final year of their deals. So if you're picking, if you're trading for Shaw or McGee, you're probably not super excited about paying them $9 million if you have to take the whole thing. Again, the Rockies could, there are ways you can work it out and say, oh, well, we'll, we'll pay $5 million of it. So if they can save, you, you know, there are a lot of different ways they could save little bits of pieces of money from either one of those contracts from McGee or Shaw, even if they still have to eat half of it. You're still getting out from underneath $4.5 million dollars you don't get a great prospect probably, but you can move that out. You don't have to pay that money. So now you're getting close to having 10 or more million to spend. Again, assuming almost no real increase of the budget by moving out any one of those players. Murphy, Shaw, McGee, you move one of those guys, you've got yourself over $10 million to spend you know, unless you, you you just totally get killed in that deal. That's about what I'm looking at. Now, if you can manage to move either Ian Desmond, and that's tougher because Desmond is also due for the next two years. He's making $15 million in 2020, but it does come down after that. And then there's, of course, the, the gigantic Wade Davis situation where he's making $17 million, but he is in the final year of it. So uh, what the, the old saying in baseball is there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. Uh, Wade Davis may choose to dispute that. I don't know. Uh, $17 million is a lot. But again, for a guy with his resume, who even just last year had a ton of saves, he's having a really bad year this year, but you all know the splits. And again, if, if you can get someone to take some of it, you get someone to take $7 million. Even if the Rockies have to pay Dan, uh, Daniel Murray, <laughs> Uh, Wade Davis, $10 million of his 17 next year to go pitch for somebody else. And if they do that, you know he'll be good. He'll go somewhere else, and he'll be really good. But that's another way the Rockies could get a big, big chunk of change 
because it is just the one year left on it. So however much risk any team would take on by bringing in Wade Davis would be extremely limited. And some of the richer teams in baseball, you take half a season to figure it. So, so if, if I trade him to you and you're the Yankees or the Cubs or the Red Sox or, or the Dodgers or whatever, so I've traded you Wade Davis, but I've also eaten $10 million of the contract. Let's let, let's make the math easier. I've eaten seven million of the contract. You're taking on ten million for Wade Davis in the year 2020, and you bring him to your team, and you run him out there, and he doesn't look good early. So you have him in the eighth or the seventh or the sixth inning, and he doesn't really come around. And by the middle of the season, he's been like he has this year, black good sometimes, but really bad some of the other times. Well, now you've already paid him for half the year. He's only got five million left, and you can cut him at five. One of those other teams can pay you five million dollars to go away, and it's not as big a deal as it would be for the Rockies to do something like that. Though they did something like that this year with Mike Dunn, smaller numbers, but the same basic principle. And it's a much easier proposition to have, no matter what the numbers are, when a guy is on a, a big old honking uh, <laughs> uh, one-year contract like that. You got the one-year deal, then there are all kinds of things you can do to get creative with it. And that's part of the reason why the, the Ian Desmond thing is so complicated. Because as much as a team might say, oh, yeah, he's playing well now, and maybe you could get something for him. He is still making $15 million in 2020. And he signed through 2022, I believe. Uh, at least, but it does go down the next season in 21, um, but to, to eight million. And, and then the Rockies have a lot of stuff that comes off after that. Obviously, all of these bullpen contracts are gone by then, and that's why it would, in my opinion, behoove them to try to move one ahead of time, because then the Rockies are in a situation where. As I talked about, Madison Bumgarner is probably going to have to make 20, 25, maybe $30 million a year. And that may seem completely implausible of a contract for the Rockies to add to their situation. But really, it's a matter of if you could clear two relievers or if you can bite the bullet in one year, having only cleared one of those relievers, take the budget increase of $30 million, give it all to Madison Bumgarner because the next year, all of these contracts are going to come off your books. You're not going to have to pay anymore for Shaw or McGee or Davis, and the amount of money that you have to pay for Ian Desmond goes down dramatically. The only thing that could potentially go up would be Daniel Murphy, but that's only if you as the team decide to pay him more. If, If he doesn't perform, then you save money on Daniel Murphy as well. Now, this does coincide with all the younger players making more money in arbitration and Herman Marquez just making a little bit more money on the deal that he signed. And and so that particularly Trevor Story is going to ratchet up the roster a bit there. But the way arbitration works, you can only make so much. So they've got this window of budget here. And that's a big reason why I wouldn't be surprised to see them increase it just a little bit, even if that means for the first time in seven or eight years that they might decrease their budget for 2021 because of, of all of these big expenses coming off. Now, th- that probably won't be the case if they go out and sign someone like Madison Baumgartner, but 
even then it could be it it would be the case that from 2020 to 2021 the payroll could drop right because you're 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 basically biting the bullet for the year of 2020 to pay a little bit more than you would like knowing that you you've got a window of competition now primes for some of these guys careers to compete in while taking advantage of of that window of opportunity you can spend the money and it's it's only going to be one year where it super inflates your budget and that would only be if you can't find a new home for any of these guys in the off season and and, and there's there's got to be value there i know it's not you know the <laughs> I know people like to make up these trade scenarios where you trade the guys who are problematic just so you can get rid of them, and it's nowhere near that easy. But there is value uh, in a 32-year-old reliever who's putting together a much better year this year in in Brian Shaw than he did a year ago, and then the six years before that was the most reliable reliever in baseball. Someone would take him for half his contract, and so on and so forth. As frustrated as I just talked about Jake McGee's numbers. You may not feel comfortable with them out there, but other GMs got to look at the numbers too. So it's going to be an interesting thing to see, though, which way they do go with the budget. Because if they keep right at that normal growth model, then they really don't have a ton to spend. They'll be, it'll be a very similar offseason next year to the one we saw last year if they can't trade any of those people that I mentioned because they'll have no money to spend. But all it really takes is moving out one of those contracts and the Rockies suddenly have enough flexibility that you know you, you can't just sign all one-year deals. But m- moving forward, as I talked about, they've got like seven players under contract for 2021 and then all the arbitration guys. But... The flexibility is there. It's this one year of 2020 where all of these relievers are on the final year of their contracts where the budget's going to get restricted. But they can get very creative in getting out from underneath it, or they can just decide, look, this is one year that because of the timing, the budget's going to be really tough, but you can, I keep using the phrase, you can bite the bullet on that because it can even come down after that. And the only way it wouldn't is if you've been so good that your players in arbitration, but if they're all making that much more money, you've probably won yourself a whole lot of baseball games. You'll make it all back in ticket sales and jersey sales and all the other things that come with a good baseball team. So that, I think, is the future direction of the Colorado Rockies. And I will say I think the Monforts are very, very focused on trying to get a winner right back out there as soon as possible. Uh, It would not at all surprise me to see them increase the budget Uh, there is a new tv deal coming up very soon that could be a part of all of this conversation as well but it'll be mostly interesting to see how they attack this one year because it's going to be the 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 strange sort of tightening uh, of the belt in some parts but there's also going to be a lot of opportunities to get better and it, it may just need to be they've got a close their eyes and, and get through it and live through the the better baseball team that will come out of making one of these more aggressive moves, especially for pitching. It costs money. Pitching costs money, and it's what they need. And I, and I think they got to go big with it. So, all right. 
thanks for hanging out for that conversation. A little bit of a, a strange one, uh, at least in terms of the timing. But we'll get back more into all of this stuff, obviously, as we move on. I just want to kind of set the table for the budget conversation so that when we start talking about free agents and trades and can the Rockies get back to being competitive, we can have a little bit more of a, a fact-based conversation. Thank you all so much for listening in today. Make sure you follow us on social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, and of course at BSN Rockies. You can email us anytime, Drew or Patrick at BSN Denver. Give us a like, share, and subscribe on the Facebook or whatever podcast app you happen to be using. Make sure you're subscribed to bsndenver.com and continue to be absolutely awesome out there because I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Strava Craft Coffee offers CBD-rich, hemp oil-infused coffees. This 5280 Editor's Choice for Top Coffee Roaster is an essential part of the day, helping you wake up, fuel up, and achieve your goals. It gets me up, it gets me going. I, I'm like, I'm becoming pretty, pretty caffeine-like uh, tolerant, so they're stronger, like, so it actually wakes me up and gets me going. Get a bag of this award-winning coffee at StravaCraftCoffee.com.